Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast. My name is Chase. I'm here with my good friend Jacob. How are you doing after another exciting week of MLS action? I'm great. It was a great week of MLS. We are in episode 31. It is a cold, rainy evening in the Pacific Northwest. I'm great. The weather turned way too quickly, but we can't we can't be uh, riffing about the weather again two episodes in a row. That's if this is not any more proof that anybody in Oregon can agree with this right now, how terrible, especially in the <laughs> Valley, how terrible the rain is right now. That's not proof fall is terrible. We're going to go on another fall rant. It This alone, and I was thinking about this too, is making me consider going to L.A. for the weekend and joining, <laughs> joining our buddies. Sounds like you're a little baby boy that can't handle a little bit of rain on you. <laughs> Anyways, there was actually some severe weather around the country this week for a few games that happened in MLS. Pro transition by me. Conveniently, that will be the last game we speak of. <laughs> but, yeah. Let's dive right in. Let's Season's dive right up. into the week because it is getting insane. The playoff push is looking intense. 20... Eight separate games in the last week. <laughs> I thought you were about to say that's how many teams are going to qualify for playoffs <laughs> next year. <laughs> Every team except for one gets to make playoffs. Your Colorado be... <laughs> Rapids. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally who I was about to say. <laughs> Crazy that uh, six teams in the East have clinched playoffs already. Only one team in the West has clinched playoffs. The Wild West. It's going to come down to the last day. That's how we like it, though, in MLS. That's how we like it out west. That is pretty crazy, but we love it. It makes MLS that much more fun. It is exciting, to say the least. But let's dive right in. First game of the week, we have Atlanta United putting the beat down on Club de Foot Montreal 4-1 to in Atlanta. Is Atlanta back? It certainly feels like it. They they have some pieces that are clicking. I mean, they they have a pretty lethal like attacking like three or four players. Like, I guess you could say their front four since you would include Tiago Amada in that. Um, I mean, now's the year if they're gonna do it. They have some pieces that are gonna stick around, but nobody's gonna put up the kind of output that like Almada is doing for them. So they're making a good push. They're heating up at the right time. Like a you know similar to Portland. <laughs> So many years. The 2018 MLS Cup runner-ups. It's kind of funny because with how MLS is structured, like teams that heat up right around like October, like <laughs> if your team plays like Dairon Espria and you're just like, you just heat up right at the perfect time of the year, um, you're guaranteed to have like a pretty successful cup run. So Atlanta's looking like a pretty dangerous team going into this final what three game stretch for them last few games of the season especially at home at home they're super explosive they seem like a completely different team so i wouldn't want to be playing them miami didn't last week and montreal doesn't this week so and they are battling for a uh, a home playoff spot kind of crazy in the east so third place through sixth place is all tied on 49 points right now 
Um, Atlanta has played the most games out of all those teams, so they're still not guaranteed a home place, uh, home playoff game. But they're battling for it. They're right there. Well said. Well said. But they will get one guaranteed because remember their games of three. That new weird. That's true. That's true. But you still have to play two away games then. Going to the fortress of PPL Park. Sorry. What is the Union Stadium called? Is it not called that? Uh, I think it's PayPal Park. Okay. I I think. Something like that. That sounds about right. Next up, FC Cincinnati wins at home 3-0 versus Charlotte. Lucho Acosta got a pretty nice solo goal, but... I want to talk about somebody else because Acosta got there was like people saying this could be like goal of the year. It was a crazy goal. It was a messy esque run from like halfway. However, Avaro Barrial nominated for the Puskas award playing in MLS for a strike against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in the U S open cup. This is me and Chase's dream. This is historic. Not only, for us, but like American soccer, that is amazing. The only other goal I remember in MLS being a Puskas nominee was the Eric Hosley volley for Vancouver against Seattle. But this was crazy. And I heard also the Argentinian national team had scouts at the last two Cincinnati games. So he's on their radar is what it feels like. You know what's crazy too is that I feel like there's a Puskas goal nominee like every week in USL but it just is never like considered cuz it's second division in the US but there is an insane amount of like crazy goals that happen down there kind of funny that the one puskas like nominee comes against the USL team but that goal he scored was elite like it's a corner kick straight out to him top of the box and he hits a full volley just like bullet to the back of the net it's like a fifa goal literally yeah exactly except that's like rarely ever happens in fifa <laughs> Happens to us. Yeah, true. Maybe not for us. True. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Cincinnati's comfortably in first place in the Shield standing, 62 points. In the East, next closest team is 11 points off. In the West, St. Louis is nine off the Shield. It looks pretty close to be wrapped up. Um, I was going to say, do you think they have the Shield wrapped up? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, it seems pretty comfortable for them at this point. I mean... It's just a matter now of like how many points they're going to rack up and what kind of form they're going to be going into the playoffs. Next up, this was a wild game. D.C. United hosted New York Red Bulls. The Red Bulls won on the road 5-3. to three. D.C. was up three separate times in the first half. They scored three goals, conceded a goal after every goal. Benteke got a hat trick. And then they just fumbled the bag completely in the second half and lost. Oh, man. This just sucks for DC. DC just doing DC things, man. What can you say? That's so sad. But also, what the heck? Like, how does New York Red Bulls pull this out after going from, like, a nil-nil against, like, NYCFC to just all of a sudden putting down, like, five goals? That's like a quarter of their season's worth of goals right there. They they have not been very good at putting the ball in the back of the net this year. Speaking of putting the ball in the back of the net, Benteke, on a losing effort, scores a hat trick. Kind of heating up lately. He's got 13 goals for the season. Pretty solid. 
What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, pretty solid for a 10th place team, I guess. <laughs> I it's it's like one of those weird moves that you see happen like often in MLS. Like I think it's going to be we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Montreal, like the bunch of those players that were in the league that you just forgot played here. I think that's going to be the thing with Benteke is like give us 5 years and be like, "Oh yeah. Dude, Benteke played for DC and it's going to be cuz it's going to happen because like they're not going to accomplish anything with him. They're not going to win any trophies. He's going to put up some good numbers maybe, but it's just so forgettable. It seems like such a waste for a club to like put up big money to get a big name like that and not really commit to like trying to win trophies. I think they have committed. It's just they committed <laughs> to building a washed-up championship squad uh, with yeah. Wayne Rooney at the Take that, the Euro wheel. snobs. All you Euro snobs out there who think a retired like England national team could do the biz in MLS. <clears throat> Billy Sharp. <laughs> so anyway. Hey, we'll get on to old Billy Sharp later. Philadelphia Union hosts LAFC and the classic matchup that feels a little overdone at this point. MLS Cup, CCL, regular season, these guys meet like twice a year it feels like at this point even though they're in opposite conferences this was just nil nil who cares I, I was gonna say I don't want to talk about this too much because this is like the most hyped up most talked about game usually and I love that it was nil nil because it forced like the mainstream MLS media to not talk about them moving on though I was gonna say though it LAFC fans probably enjoyed the attention, though. They're not the, the league darlings anymore like they used to be. Hence why uh, Will Smith is out doing publicity in Portland. <laughs> He's got to get some eyes back on his club. You mean Will Ferrell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same same first name. Not not much of a difference there. <laughs> Will Funny Guy? Yeah, comedian actor. Uh, anyways, next up. We got Chicago Fire tying New England Revolution. Chicago on a just uh, heating up kind of run, man. They're really getting geared up for the end of the season, huh? <laughs> it's like five games winless. They haven't won since before League's Cup. <laughs> I thought it was like seven or eight. I'm pretty sure, I guess if you're counting like the end of League's Cup results, it might be that, but I think it's five games winless in um, MLS now. Okay. So they yeah, so they tied New England. Before that they lost to Columbus 3-0. They tied Montreal, lost to DC 4-0, lost to Vancouver 1-0, lost to LA 3-0, lost to Orlando 3-1. And that's all after League's Cup. So it's been a while. I guess it has been about 7 games winless. That is insane. That's a long time. Because remember they went on that little run before that we talked about but the last week. Um, still, I mean, 12th place, three points out of the playoffs, a game in hand on the team right above the line, uh, NYC. Probably not. But They're not they, going to do it. They could <laughs> pull something out of the bag, especially considering New York City's playing Miami this week. Yeah, that's true, but... Chicago just in terrible form right now. It doesn't seem like they have any like players that are going to pull them out of it. They can't really 
keep hoping on a Shakiri who doesn't really seem interested most of the time he plays. A 43-year-old Kai Kamara. <laughs> Brian Gutierrez is a good piece. Kai Kamara is so old, dude. Remember when we first started this podcast and every time we'd talk about him because he kept scoring, we'd just exaggerate his age, just <laughs> older and older? 62-year-old Kai Kamara. Um, point of peace, not really much to say. New England kind of stuck in that purgatory of not quite getting past like third place. It helped them. They ended up clinching uh, playoffs, not through the, not through tying a game, but through other results. Um, but keeping them up there and then not really helping Chicago at all with their playoff push. But moving on, we got FC Dallas tying Columbus Crew 1-1 in Dallas. Both goals scored by Dallas players in this game. O'Brien and Nkosi Tafari. Man's really like trying to keep goal. his name in the uh, the headlines. Didn't he score an own goal not too long ago as well? <laughs> and he scored like a late winner as well. So <laughs> Truly is. Next time they play, Messi's going to say, the only reason you're talking to me is because I'm playing <laughs> Nkosi Tafari. That would um, be hilarious. This is a big point for Dallas especially. They, they needed a three points would have been huge, but... They're right above the line with that. Keeps them ahead of Kansas City. Um, yeah, kind of losing some momentum a bit, Dallas. They they were in a much better spot a couple weeks ago, some other teams with better form. But, yeah, they've got five games to go, whereas ahead of them, they have three games in hand, two games in hand, one. Yeah, they their destiny is in their hands. I mean, they're in a, a prime position right now, and they have more games in hand than everybody Except for Vancouver, really. So everybody ahead of them in the table has played more games, and they're right there in the mix with points. I mean, they're only a few points behind most of the people ahead of them. I forgot. They won midweek at RSL, which was huge for them with uh, Ferreira Brace. So if that result didn't go their way, then they would have been in trouble. But kind of just keeping steady along there. Yeah. I mean, between them and second place, LAFC is six points. They're only six points off, and they have a game in hand. So it just shows how tight Western Conference is. From second to ninth, it's six-point difference. Moving on, a team fighting for dear life gets the win. Sporting Kansas City, 2-1 over Houston. This was a weird game because just looking at the stat box, you see Johnny Russell had a busy night. Seventh-minute PK, 39th-minute red card. And then Willie Agata scores, and Houston gets a consolation goal. This was huge. Houston was in great form. They just smacked a good Vancouver team. Uh, Kansas City needed that, or else they would have been done and dusted. Still a lot of work to do for them, but puts them up to a nice, cool 10th place. Who do they have next week? Have you looked? I'm curious because uh, having Johnny Russell out was a huge blow for them. Um they got St. Louis next week in St. Louis. That's a tough one. And they only have three games left in the season for them. They got St. Louis, then RSL, and then SKC. Oh, no, they play uh, Minnesota. I do. I've said that twice now. In the in the pre-rundown, like rundown, I said that as well. You just get your Midwest teams. Midwest, all. baby blue teams all mixed up. Um, I mean, honestly, like three tough matches. 
three tough games going to St. Louis, especially, and there's been a lot of bad blood between those two. They're not all must wins, but man, they need to get a decent amount of points from that to to be sniffing a good chance at this. Yeah, it's always going to be tough when you remember they when you don't get a win in your first what ten eleven games of the season. <laughs> It's so. been impressive what they've been able to do at the end of the season here, though. Like, I'll give them that. Like, the fact that they're even in the mix is huge for them. But to me, it looks pretty unlikely that they're going to make that jump above the teams ahead of them. It but be, it's like Peter Vermees has done enough to keep his job for another 10 years. <laughs> this was the exact same script as last season. Late <laughs> season rally. Maybe they just come up short. They play pretty good towards the end of the year. Peter Vermees stays. I mean, Alan Polito's hopefully not going to start another year injured. And <laughs> Yeah, they signed him to another contract, which to me seems like a mistake. To me, I think I would rather reinvest that money and look for somebody else. He's, I mean, he, I guess he's a known quantity. You know what he's going to do in MLS when he's healthy, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to stay healthy for them. Yaro Niasgoda. Stra- strapping up in the baby blue. You think he's going to go there? I think he goes back to Poland. Or I was going to say, I think Europe. he goes back home. I don't think he sticks in MLS. I can see like a Chicago Fire bidding for him. <laughs> seems like a seems like go to club. I could see that. Following the footsteps of a uh, name, random Eastern European striker here. Oh, man. We just talked about Nemanja him. Nikolic. Nikolic. Um. Yeah, not much else to say about that. <laughs> SKC looking like they're kind of dead in the water. Houston getting a big blow to their confidence going into the last little bit of the season. I hope that only continues because the Timbers play them last game of the season. It's going to be a great game. Speaking of random Midwest soccer entities in America, Minnesota United continues their great form at home. <laughs> For the rest of the Western Conference, and they lose two to one versus St. Louis in Minnesota. Uh, joking aside, man, their home form is atrocious. I mean, <laughs> they've won what a, four games total. Pookie's got another goal, but yeah, they won three three games at home. Like that's crazy. Six wins on the road, three at home. Yeah, it's it's just terrible it's been so bad for them i mean at what point do people stop now i kind of see why our friend ben never went to a game in minnesota they are they've been so bad but yeah that's just terrible that they they can't seem to like buy a win at home which for most teams should be like the fortress that you know they they're able to lock it down yeah you hear people like twelman taylor twelman like say like in MLS especially, and the stats prove this, like home field advantage is greater than in a lot of professional leagues. Minnesota must have missed that memo because, yeah, shocking. Pookie gets a penalty kick, but they were up in this game, concede two goals, so they blow it. Joe Klaus gets a goal for St. Louis. They did the same thing midweek against the LA Galaxy. They were up 3-1 and Billy Sharp gets a hat trick for the Galaxy to sink Minnesota. Let's talk about St. Louis, though. They clinched the playoffs in the West. First team to do that. Could break the expansion team points record. 
Nobody had these guys doing anything. I, w- I kind of want to touch a little bit. Like, one thing that kind of sums up, like, St. Louis this year is, like, they've been so good at identifying, like, forgotten talent in the U.S. and just, like, maximizing it. And you saw that in this game with, like, uh, I'm going to butcher his first name, AZL Jackson. He, like, assisted that second goal for them. That was a former Minnesota, Minnesota. United two-player who was amazing for them, and they let him go for, like, 150000 which is insane because now it directly came back to haunt them. He gets subbed on in this game and just puts in a shift, ends up, like, putting in a press on his own, like, winning the ball and then, like, getting an assist off of it. Um Huge for St. Louis. Like, they've been so good at identifying talent that uh, I don't think any other team has really been as successful as them, like, doing this. I mean, they're they're on their way to setting the points record for an expansion team. Um, I think they're just tied it with this win. Um, I don't know, man. They seem like they've set such a good base for their future. Um, if they can keep – I forget his name, but their sporting director – uh, I forget either. He was the he, guy with Bundesliga experience at yeah, Hoffenheim. Yeah, yeah. He he came over from um from Europe, and there's been a lot of like clubs around the world that have been like trying to contact him and get him to come back like over there and work for them. And he seems really happy in St. Louis. So I mean, if as long as they can hold on to him, seems like they're in like a pretty good place. Kind of similar to like uh oh man, Ned Grabavoy. <laughs> no, I think uh the guy that left Seattle. And uh, went to Atlanta. Oh, Garth uh, Lagerway. Yep. Yeah. That guy, I mean, you could see it with Atlanta now. Like, all the pieces they're buying are fitting in, and they're starting to be really successful now that he's had about a year to, like, you know, get used to their system and start building it. So, kind of starting to show, like, how important the guys behind the scenes can be for these MLS clubs, where I think a lot of people usually wouldn't focus on that. Yeah, top to bottom, just great work from St. Louis. You see a lot of expansion teams do, like, the the off-the-field stuff good, but not the players or vice versa. They got the whole package, stadium, right from the get-go in the season. They didn't have to wait eight months to open it. Um, Off the top of your head, rapid fire, how far does this team go in the playoffs? Do you think they realistically have a shot at the Cup, or is it more... Well, it's weird because this year they don't get a buy out of the first round, so they play whoever wins the wild card, eighth versus ninth place, the play in. Who, if playoffs started today, would be either San Jose or FC Dallas. Realistically, it's looking like with games in hand and everything, like Portland may drop into that, Minnesota may bump up, probably Dallas will be around there somewhere. Um, but St. Louis is going to host one of those teams if it's Portland. That's one of what few teams they've lost at one of like three teams they've lost to at home this year. So maybe Portland has their number. I don't know, man. They're so they're really good at home. So if they stay in that first spot and they are guaranteed two games at home in those weird three game systems, I could see them making it at least like semifinals. I, w- I don't know if they necessarily have the experience to like, go all the way through the final but i think they have like the energy and the atmosphere around them to at least push them to like a western conference semi i can see that yeah i i I don't see them actually lifting the mls cup but i can see them making a solid run either way what a story next up rail salt lake 
hosting Vancouver Whitecaps, a 2-1 win for RSL. Much needed, must say. This is a home victory after they just lost to Dallas midweek. That puts Sporting, or sorry, Rail Salt Lake at 43 points. However, more off the field drama. Who is it this time? We didn't talk about this beforehand, so it's all it's a shot in the dark for Chase unless he saw on Twitter. For RSL on Vancouver? Yep. I'm going to just go ahead and say Justin Glad. No, I have no clue. I don't know what's going on. I'm jog my memory cuz I may have seen this. So a little designated player called Jefferson Savarino wasn't in the game day squad. He then so somebody like tweeted at the RSL team account on Twitter because they posted the lineup and the bench. Savarino wasn't in the squad. He's one of their best players. Was a winger. Can be disappointing at times. Anyway, a fan just replies, "Where's Savarino?" Like a lot of fans do. And then the team account posted personal reasons. He's not at this game. Jefferson Savarino quoted that tweet that the team posted saying he was gone for personal reasons saying that's not true I love MLS dude I love this so much so what's the uh, what's the scoop is there any like further follow up on that or has it just been like speculation so some people are saying it's more of like a manager's decision he wasn't really playing much defense and maybe maybe some half-hearted performances seems like a normal benching to me from the outside i'm not the most in on this situation um and like a lot of players do he's a star player he makes a lot of money he's got a good pedigree with the club he feels like he should be there probably got into a dispute with uh pm (laughs) i'm curious where do you fall on this because it's been a like a a topic recently uh, in Europe, actually, with like what's going on with Jaden Sancho, um, a lot of people like call for players to be like be more human and like voice how they feel about these things. Do you think like it's appropriate for players like that to like come out and voice that, or do you think they need to be more professional and treat it like a normal job? I think you can voice it on like in the club to the manager to like people who can actually do something about it, airing dirty laundry. <laughs> just online when people don't know the full context and stuff like that seems like a big no alias Ivicic but personally I actually love it and my reason for it is like I don't respect exactly like players who do that to like get what they want but I love that it like forces clubs to like have to come out and like expand on it and like give a full story like I think as like a consumer of like the product that is like MLS as like entertainment, I think it makes it way more entertaining and it, it allows you to get like a better insight. Like, like we'll talk about with like Ivasich, what's going on with him and uh, like the Bruce arena stuff. Like it makes it really interesting because you get to consume like what stuff looks like behind the scenes rather than just consuming the product of like just the soccer that's played on the field. So I I like it for that aspect. It doesn't necessarily mean I like the tactics behind what like players do in the media. For me, it's tricky because you can see both ways. Because the the Burhalter Reina situation 
in Qatar was a perfect example because he wasn't playing Reyna much, and the fans were calling for his head. They have been either way, regardless, but they were calling for his head. Well, later it comes out he was not really trying and training, didn't really care, wasn't showing effort, was pouting and stuff. After that all comes out, like, it just only got worse from there. I, maybe, it's just, just like an old-fashioned take. I just think it should be, like, within the borders of the locker room, right? Within reason, depending on the situation. I don't really think it gets, it as a consumer, it is nice to know more about situations, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spitball you here. <laughs> You're a coach. Say you've got a, a pesky player on your squad. Wasn't really, wasn't really performing in training. Had a terrible attitude. Was giving you heck. Didn't like some decisions you make. Say he was airing his dirty laundry to athletic director. <laughs> What's your move? Uh, well. I mean, if you were to, if that were the case, I would say that's kind of like what you're saying, though. It's like still within the club, like because athletic director is like technically my boss. So okay, online social media. If you like went on social media and I saw that there was comments, like, my coach sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's different because I coach teenagers, so I kind of expect them to have their own opinions and talk about it how they want. Um. But, I mean, if I was – I w- wouldn't like it. wouldn't be my favorite thing, but I think they have their right, you know. I think when it comes to, like, adults who are being paid, I understand, like, as a coach or, like, not, like, a sporting director, like, you're paying them. They're your employees. You're allowed to bench them when you want. You're allowed to, like – you don't have to play them. They're still getting paid either way, you know, unless they have a clause in their contract that they're guaranteed a certain amount of play time. Um but I don't know. Like I said, just as a consumer and like a fan of soccer, it kind of gives you a peek into what their lives are actually like rather than having this kind of like, like a wool over our eyes, I guess of like, Oh, like they're just, everybody's happy in this club. Everybody loves the Portland Timbers. They're amazing. Or like everybody loves like the Colorado Rapids or, you know, stuff like that or new England revolution or, I think it just kind of... You pick the three clubs with a lot of (laughs) just terrible stuff going on (laughs) up above at levels. I I just think I appreciate it because it, like, humanizes the players a little bit more because um, I think everybody can speculate when a player's not, like, being played. Like like Jefferson Saverino, people could probably speculate, like, oh, he's probably, like, unhappy with this. But you see it a lot. Like, people on Twitter are, like, asking, like, why isn't Severino playing? Like they want to know why he's not there. So if the club like comes up with like a, like a BS excuse and they're like, Oh, he has personal issues. I think he's within his right to say like, no, that's not true. Like to come out and like call them out if they're directly lying to their fan base about why he didn't play. Yeah, I can, we can go back and forth on this, but I, I agree. But because I think I would respect it more if the club were to, were to come out and say, like, similar to, like, Ten Hag did with Jaden Sancho and say, like, he hasn't been performing in training or, you know. I, I can agree with that, but in that way, it seems like once a statement like that is made, because the player usually always disagrees, then a relationship is usually almost beyond repair. 
and things get messy between player and club, and usually one side ends. But you're okay with the benching if a player is just... Yeah, yeah, I don't have any issue with that at all. They're an employee, technically. They're getting paid regardless. Because I see a lot of people online who are like, he's our best player, he should just be playing. Also, yeah, the club doesn't have to respond to somebody when they ask a question like that. Like, they may have to respond in the media, but they can leave that up to the coach. And that's kind of at the coach's discretion to say something. And if the player wants to respond, I think he's within his own right to respond, you know? Um, I mean, if you're going to try and restrict players from voicing their opinion like that, then I think you would have to negotiate that in their contract or something along those lines. But I don't know. This is a very deep, deep... uh, side trail we just went on it's a good win this all started RSL. with rsl in vancouver so how about brian white getting his like 14th goal for the season though i mean that's cool <laughs> anyways I, I, I stay by my claim of that brian white isn't the number nine for a for a cup winning squad starting number nine he's been great this year yeah i don't I think in the big games though he'll perform if he if i'm wrong I wouldn't hate it, honestly. Vancouver's a team I would love to see do something. I was going to say I could see that, but I feel like strikers hit these insane purple patches in MLS where they just are in amazing form randomly. And I could see him doing that and helping them win a league title. Or you don't even need your striker to be scoring a bunch of goals to win titles, like a la like, uh, Drogba at Chelsea. Like If you look at his goal-scoring record, he did not score very many goals for what people give him credit for being like this amazing striker. He just kind of was on a championship squad. Vancouver's not a championship squad though. I'll say that anyways, let's move on to the next Canadian game. Championship squad. <laughs> yeah. The one trophy that it's like least important in the whole Western hemisphere. <laughs> Finally a big club. So the Colorado Rapids went to the Portland Timbers which is the big club. I like the way you're phrasing this. Like <laughs> as a Timbers fan, you're like phrasing this, like from a Colorado perspective, <laughs> you know, I have, they a soft traveled spot. out to the rainy Oregon. You know, I have a soft spot for these poor rapids that are <sighs> just kicking mud right now. Um, I was at this game, Portland won three, two, um, Portland goes up two zero in the first half place is booming. Typical Portland, they concede a goal like 30 seconds after scoring one, and Colorado gets back in the game. There's a couple VAR checks for potential red card, potential this, potential that. It's not given. Andrew Gutman takes the ball and scores with a deflection. It's tied up 2-2. Portland wins in the second half, 3-2. Timbers just look like a completely different team ever since Geo's left. Like, they look... They're just completely different play style. Miles Joseph is just... Miles Ball. People were wanting Coach BJ. Dude, he's... the same Similar effect, it feel like. Like, when Coach BJ took over the U.S. Men's National Team, it seemed like there was this, like, freedom and just, like, fun around the squad. Kind of feels like that with Miles Joseph at the helm. Like, Timbers are just having fun. They look like a fun team now. One thing I'll say about Colorado before we actually talk about Timbers in extensive time, Andrew Gutman was a good pickup for them. 
in the in this midseason. He's a he's a guy who should stick around if he's feeling for a challenge. <laughs> Congrats, Colorado! You guys got a solid MLS left back. I mean, <laughs> other than Claudio Bravo, when's the last time Portland had one? You really want to challenge me to that? Via Fania in like 2015. Via Fania was solid. Not in his second stint. Michael Harrison. <laughs> oh, Throwing it away. Zarek Valentin. Oh, that guy was not good, dude. Dude, he was solid. No, he wasn't. There's a reason why he's played at so many different MLS teams. There's a reason he gets passed around. <laughs> it doesn't start any on, on any of those teams. Hey, he started for Minnesota this week. He's a good guy. He may have been subbed out in the 60th minute, but he started. The fans really like him because he gets involved in communities and, like, engages with fans. But he, to me, is very similar to, like, Eric Miller. Just a... Uh, oh, I'll take any Eric Miller any day of the week. Over ZV? Yes. Oh, that is outrageous. That's an outrageous claim. ZV did nothing for... Dude, he would give the most the... insane pregame speeches in Spanish and English. Zarek Valentin? Yeah. How's he know Spanish? He's Puerto Rican. He That's plays right. for the Puerto Rican national team. That's a pull right there. <laughs> Respect for that, for one. But I don't know. Eric Miller looks composed every time he's in a game. Doesn't look out of place. Yeah, Doesn't he also looks like torched. he plays Angry Birds in the locker room instead of talking to his teammates, dude. <laughs> oh, and Valentin doesn't. <laughs> Valentin would give the pregame speeches. He was the glue that held it together. What are you talking about? No. You're you telling me with Liam Ridgewell in the locker room, Valentin just... You think Liam Ridgewell could speak to any <laughs> Spanish-speaking player? You think Are you kidding me? You think on. you think Yimmy Chara or Diego Chara? You think those guys would look at Liam Ridgewell and like Yimmy they they'd probably just yet. smile and nod? But <laughs> there's no way Valentin Lucas Milano. There's no way Valentin is grabbing a step stool, getting up on it, towering above. Dude, they have, they literally Ridgewell. they would post videos of it on timber's instagram of him giving the pregame speech you know how you joke about eric miller's like career path just being an instagram feed of him <laughs> excited to join this team that's that's valentin hey he posts more when he's in a community who's played for more teams who's played for more i'll look up zv you look up eric miller real quick because i think it's pretty close I don't know why you're defending this guy so much. I I really like Zarek Valentin, dude. He was he was bought in. He's a good player to have. Are you counting youth teams or like Let's just go just MLS teams. Zarek Valentin played for Chivas USA, Montreal Impact, Portland Timbers, Houston Dynamo, and now Minnesota United. Five? Five. Eric Miller. He also went to Europe. So take that. Where to like Norway, right? Bodo Bodo Glimt, which I think is the same team that Heath Pierce went to, which also was a long-haired American outside back. So very weird connection there. Six clubs. Yeah, take that, Eric Miller lover. But Valentin went to to. Norway or whatever. So yeah, balance, that's six, that's where Eric Miller couldn't cut it, dude. Man six, was man so, couldn't go to Europe. So they've had six clubs since 2012 together. So <laughs> we're never weirdly they played Rapids, Minnesota, New York City. Nashville. Zarek Valentin was solid. 
He was a solid player. But he's no Eric Miller. <sighs> You're just wrong. This there. could be its own episode. Let's okay. Who's another left back? Let's just let's try and find some common ground here. Would you agree, Michael Harrison? Harrington. Why do I keep saying Harrison? I'm thinking of uh, there was that guy in Colorado. Oh yeah, I know. I know who you mean. Dang it, Harrington. Yeah, I have a cutout of his face somewhere. I mean, he was all right for like what a year, <laughs> just about. Yeah. That's I it. I can't think of another left back that we had that was good. Rodney Wallace before he got moved up by Caleb Porter and struggled heavily at left back. Yeah, that's true. We haven't really had a solid left back. I'll give you that. Justin Rasmussen. Man, the wheels really fell off that conversation. That was the most heated we've ever got on the podcast. <laughs> I will not take any ZV disrespect. What's with the, what's with the E-M disrespect? He said he <laughs> plays Angry Birds on his mm, phone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like a boring dude. What does Valentin look like? Like a looks like a fun Puerto Rican he, guy. He looks like Roderick. Looks like he's like <laughs> no. a punk rock wannabe. No, yes, he does. Dude, Eric Miller looks like a finance bro. Would you take that over Roderick? Yeah, I would not. That no, that's a debate right there. Look at yeah, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Zarek Valentin looks way cooler than Eric Miller. Okay, if you had a kid, and you had to pick one to like to watch over. Like a daycare or a, as a camp counselor, who would you pick? Who would I pick to watch your kid? The normal looking guy or the guy who looks like he's a I would pick I would pick Zarek Valentin because I know he's way more fun than Eric Miller. What you know what he's known for? He's known for being obsessed with Oreos. Yeah, so are kids. Well, that that's a that's a personality trait as an adult human being. Yeah, better than Eric Miller having zero personality traits. He's just a family man. He keeps life away from the the spotlight. Does he have a family? I hope. Yeah. See, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Yeah, he is. He's married. <laughs> I just, I just, it's on Wikipedia, apparently, with Casey Coleman, a former. NWSL player. So this family screams athletics. I will withhold my comments about that. But <laughs> Eric Miller in MLS since 2014 yet to score a goal. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. What is Valentin scored one goal for the Timbers and was a consolation just I'm looking Shot it up right now. Your internet's off, awfully slow right now, but I'm looking it up. Yeah, I pulled the plug. <laughs> Man's afraid of the truth. Zarek Valentin. Let's see. Across his time in MLS, he's got two goals and nine assists in 201 matches played. Eric Miller has played 177 matches, only has two assists, zero goals. That's not his role, bro. He's closing out games. He's not bombing up the pitch. Yeah. All right. Let's look at their uh, progressive carries. See who's better. <laughs> All right. Here we see uh, Zarek Valentin versus other fullbacks in MLS is in top 15% for assists. You mean the one game he gets thrown in against the Houston Dynamo 
reserves. You know what? I won't take this. The only thing that Eric Miller is actually good at is clearances. He's in the top 2% of the league for That's his, his position. Role. He's closing out games. But then look, you. look at this. Look at the rest of this. Passes attempted, bottom 2%. You don't need to pass Progressive passes, bottom 1%. Dude, he's, he's Progressive carries, bottom 1%. Successful take-ons, bottom 1%. Tackles, bottom 7%. Interceptions, Jeez. bottom 2%. Blocks. Bottom six percent. We both know you can't just read a stat sheet and tell me you aerial duels won. Do bottom do half of the league. Do you remember how many times Valentin got torched? That's why we had to get Marrera. That, nope, don't remember that right back. That's Sorry. why we had. That's why we had to bring back a the half dead corpse of Jorge Viafania to play on his last limbs just to get destroyed. What about what about our only ever youth player to actually play for our team? <laughs> that was a left back. Yeah, we had to rely on that guy more than Zarek Valentin. Hey, Marco Farfan was good. And Zarek Valentin was a right back that we just used at left back. But that's the thing is he was still good there. That's what I'm saying. They brought in multiple pieces just to fill in so Valentin wouldn't cover there. He that's was, not true. He was supposed to be that guy who could, you could plug across the back line. Oh, and he was. Terrible. And he was. Yeah, he was. He was they, that guy for us. They had to bring back in a Paraguayan international from River Plate. They had to bring in a, the only homegrown player. That guy just one. played right back. He didn't even play left back. Yeah, he, so he took Valentin's position because Valentin sucked. No, because Valentin was too busy locking it down at left back. <laughs> That's why they brought in Viafania when he was half dead. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Every year he was there, they nope. brought in another player. <laughs> So bad. That's wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, but that's wrong, sir. I know what the thumbnail for this episode's gonna be. It's gonna be Eric Miller. No, Eric Miller. You are you seriously taking Eric? We need to get these guys together and have them do a one v one in like soccer, or arm wrestling. <laughs> I won't take any Zarek Valentine disrespect. We need to do a depth piece MLS like. Like death match, like knockout <laughs> tournament here. Oh man, we haven't even made it through all the games. <laughs> Are we even going to talk more about Timbers? We just wasted no, like but... ten minutes arguing about Zarek Valentin versus Eric. <laughs> yeah, we're done. The we're... worst part is I like Eric Miller for the Timbers. I just would take Zarek Valentin over him. I would take Eric Miller as like a backup center back. I think we you you see, in all seriousness, the the poise he has at fullback when <laughs> uh, he's making me laugh we were you in say it like he, you we say were... it like he's prime marcelo dude like we were... you see the poise he has and... oh, he's not bombing <laughs> doing five star skill moves we were in seattle and you said you said eric miller needs to start instead of mascara because they we need a stay-at-home fullback who will just shut things down you That's know who else does words. that you know who else does that zarek valentine dude he got torched <laughs> by seattle multiple times by chad barrett yeah you know who else that got torched like a big thumb you know this has been <laughs> he looks like a willy wonka thumb oh man Chad barrett doing his ballerina dance shall i go back to eric miller's tackles percentage Bottom two percent. See, I have real tangible interceptions stories. Bottom one percent. I I'm, I don't even see his laptop. Just for all you listening, <laughs> he could just be reading fake stuff here. I was on FB Ref. Everybody go to FB Ref. Look up Eric Miller. 
you can quote me on my stats. Yeah, it's totally not a website, Chase. <laughs> Dost, the owner of. Um, good one from Portland. They're the hottest team in the league. Four oh, in man. A row. Should anyway, we talk about Ivasic? Maybe at the end. Maybe we we got to get through these games first. There's only like one game left after this. Four more. Oh, the Sunday games. We can blow through those. I want to talk about the Ivasic thing, actually. Because it's right. entertaining, and I do not like Ivasic. All right, Ivicic or Jeff Antonella? Jeff Antonella, without a doubt. I was just kidding. I was trying to bait you again. <laughs> without a doubt, Jeff Antonella. I would take any previous Timbers goalie over Ivicic, other than Hunter Solt, because I know that's who you're going to bring up. Jake. Oh, man, what was his name? Gleason. Jake Gleason. I would take him. Dude, prime 2017 when he finally got his chance with the Timbers. And, and he was lights out. I remember... Very vividly, like the Jake Gleason takeover, dude. He had like a insane purple patch of like a hat, like a third of the season, maybe. He had a good. Remember the the game the the, the year the Timbers won the MLS Cup. Uh, Kawarase was out one game and he held it down in the pipes between. Yeah, I think Kawarase was like sick or something for a game, but yeah, yeah, he was good, dude. Anyway. Alias Ivicic. So, anybody who knows the Timbers knows it's been a... Up until the last month, it's been a dumpster fire of a season. All sorts of issues from top to bottom. However, Alias Ivicic has been with the club since 2021. And every time, like, it just goes about quiet with him and you forget he's on the team, something happens. I remember when... He won the starting job. Um, well, not really won it. Steve Clark, the starting keeper, left, and he became goalkeeper. The first time they played each other, like, he refused to shake, like, Steve Clark's hand. And then he said in the press conference, like, after the game, he's the best goalkeeper in the league. And, he like, he doesn't need to prove it. Or he, he can prove it to everybody. People are like, okay. Like, he's got a bit of a hot shot personality. All right. Well, after multiple feuds with Coach Geo. From last season to this season to him showing no emotion when he makes a save, according to Chase. <laughs> I hate that so much. But the first dispute was this season when he wasn't playing and David Bingham was starting and Coach Gio said he was injured. Well, Alia Zivicic leaks to the press that he actually isn't injured and don't believe anything anybody says because they're lying was, I believe, the quote. So, calls out his coach, throws him under the bus. Gio kind of just took the professional approach and said, you know, it was an internal matter. We'll discuss it with the group. All right. Goes to national team camp with Slovenia. Is brought in as a third-string keeper. He had a not great season this year, albeit with his club. So, the fact that he got a call-up was impressive. But when he got there, he left early due to – what people were saying online, on Twitter at least, were saying disputes with the coaching staff because he didn't play in any of the friendlies. And now we have this. An hour before kickoff in this game, he has lost his starting spot in the last month, and he leaks to the MLS Players Association that the Timbers organization has been abusing him and tampering with his contract. Have a way. 
Uh, I don't even know, dude. It's just, it seems like he just causes issues everywhere he goes. Like, for the amount of emotion that he lacks on the field, he must be a very emotional guy off the field. Can you even picture him, like, saying this out loud? Any of No, this? I can't picture him talking. I thought he was deaf. <laughs> Dude, like, he never talks. <laughs> it's so weird. So but you don't want him as a guest? So he can just stare at us? <laughs> Get him on a Zoom call so he just looks at us the whole time? But I just, honestly, as, like, a Timbers fan... I would love to see him leave the club. I think it would be better for us. I think it would be better for the club. Better for the morale, for sure. How do you think David Bingham feels? Like, there was a apparently a team source said in response to this comment that every time he hasn't been selected to start a game, he turns in a transfer request and just threatens to leave and pretty much shows he's not all in with the club. And Coach Miles Joseph said in the post-game conference, like, everybody on the squad – is locked in. They want to compete for MLS Cup, and said you have to be a good teammate. If you're not playing, you got to wait for your chance. If you are, you got to take that position with value. And then somebody asked him right after that what his response was to Ivicic's situations and comments, and then he just said, "I'll just refer to my last comment." Pretty telling. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, he hasn't have a he hasn't really had like a good season. Like I'm looking at his, I'm pulling up some more statistics right now. But, I mean, like, for reference, last year, or was it last year or the year before when he was just lights out? Previous two years, actually. He's been really good um, when he's had time. But he, I remember he was, like, number one in the league for, like, uh, like I forget the name of the statistic, but it's, like, goals, like, expected against, basically. So, like, where they expected it, like, it should be a goal, but he saved it. He was, like, number one in the league. He had the highest save percentage. Um, He had the best case for goalkeeper of the year, except the Timbers didn't win a trophy. So that's essentially why he didn't get it. When you look at him this year, he's, like, bottom 5% in save percentage. He's the worst in the league for crosses stopped, like, claiming crosses out of the box. Granted, that may be something to do with, like, the coaching staff. The only statistic that he's, like, leading the league in is launch percentage. Do you even know what that is? It's couldn't tell you. Passes longer than 40 yards that don't include goal kicks. So every time that he's just hoofed the ball up the field, that's the only thing that he's leading the league in right now. That's nuts. And you can look back this season. The 5-1 loss Portland had to Atlanta. Ivicic was in goal. 3-2 against LAFC. Ivicic was in goal. 4-3. Oh, no, that was actually salty. Um, <laughs> 4-1 versus Sporting Kansas City. He was in goal uh, versus SKC. Minnesota, 4-1. He was in goal. Houston, 5-0. He was in goal. I'm not saying all of those losses were because of him or all those goals were because of him, but he's been blown out multiple times. And I know the Minnesota game, at least, he was late to come off his line on like a, a fast break. He led an Olympico in that same game he had just a not great season and it's almost kind of what we were talking about with Savarino it reminds me of the gall of him to to feel like he's entitled of a of a starting position for one it is just entitlement it's just a, a not great attitude it's not a great look but it just reeks of like a 
a cancerous spot towards the team. Um, I don't like using even using that term like lightly, but picture you're David Bingham or somebody else in the squad, and every time you don't start, you just turn in a transfer request, pretty much saying, if I'm not better than this guy, like I don't even want to be here. Yeah, it's it's a really immature outlook, like especially for a guy that how old is he? Like late twenties. Yeah. the The only concerning thing for me, I wouldn't really care if they cut ties with him. Be better for Cor- Portland, like business wise. But I know he's pretty close with uh, Zuperich, who seems like a solid piece for Portland. They share the same agent, along with Nias Goda and formerly Santi Moreno, who also had disputes in the media with the Timbers, FO, and coaching staff before Santi Moreno switched agents. So maybe there's a little more at bay there. It's kind of hard to tell. I, I, I wouldn't stop myself because of that, because Nias Goda's all but gone from the Timbers. His contract is up at the end of the year. I would really hope the Timbers don't renew it. He's injured. He's not going to play for the rest of the season. Santi Moreno changed agents. Um, Zuperich is a solid Timbers player, but he's 31, so he's only going to decline from here. Um, And, I mean, I think the squad kind of needs another center back that can kind of step in and and be a leader for us. Zuperich is a good leader right now. He's served the club well, but... I mean, if there's a rift created by getting rid of Ivasic because of that and Zuprich isn't really, you know, wanting to stay at the club anymore, you could make some money on his sale. He's improved his stock during his time with the Timbers, so you could easily sell him on to another MLS team or even back to Europe. So I think you got to cut ties with Ivasic. I think, he, like you said, he's like a cancer to the team. He hasn't really played very well, and he just – he never – he never talks, dude. Like, he's impressed me with some of his shot-stopping things, but his ability just to be silent in, like, the most chaotic defense ever in MLS. Like, we've had just such a chaotic, like, attacks that happen towards us, and our defense is just, like, scrambled, and he just stills, like, mouth shut the whole time. I I would be more than happy to see him leave. You can appreciate watching a Timbers game now and seeing how vocal – David Bingham is like coaching and leading and calling out players when they need to be called out like yeah. on defense. So especially for a guy that's so experienced around MLS like David Bingham. But I think we're ready to move on from the Timbers. <laughs> 15 minutes later. Four more games up on the helm. San Jose hosting Nashville. 1-1 draw. Um, San Jose gets the late goal to equalize. We're putting on pressure towards the end. Couldn't get the three points. Matthew Hoppe, two goals in two games for him. Kind of a random move that honestly was a bit forgettable, but he's here, I guess. It was weird seeing San Jose pick him up because they've just stockpiled so many like young forwards now. Because they have him, Io Akinola, Jeremy Abobasi. You can kind of throw Cade Cowell in that. Um, just like the anti-LA Galaxy at this point. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, uh, 1-1 draw that doesn't really do any favors in the league table, honestly. Like, San Jose needed a bit more of that to really feel safe, so. Yeah, winning that would have put them above Portland. Instead, they creep below. Nashville's no easy 
I mean, game. They just took it to Sporting Kansas City and won 3-0 at their place. So that's four points for Nashville um, from in Kansas City and in San Jose. That's a decent haul. But, yeah, points are tight at this point. you got to win your home games. So on we go. New York City versus Toronto. Toronto wins three or no they didn't i wish new york city haven't said that much this season yeah. new york city wins three nil versus toronto you want to get in that there's something i want to talk about afterwards of the the off the field issues in this game i mean nobody's surprised this this fully eliminated toronto from the playoffs and it was just like set from the start like andres perea scoring in the second minute um you know another goal right on the you like edge of halftime to make it two nil Toronto just seemed defeated. Like going into the second half, there was no hope for them. Um, their season's up. I wouldn't blame them if they just started sending these Italians on vacation early and just started playing youth players for the rest of the year, dude. Like their, their season's up. They might as well just feed the teams ahead of them. Like what else do they have to play for at this point? Pretty well said. Um, City rallying a bit. They've been in good form, I believe, 11 points in their last five, uh, creeping in the playoff conversation. Um, but I want to focus on the off-the-field stuff. They're in ninth place, so sitting well, although they play Miami next. New York City FC was playing a home game, ironically, in Red Bull Arena, the home of their biggest rivals in New Jersey, which was the big shtick point that – NYC fans had over the Red Bulls but that's already been discussed many times that they stadium hop I don't know the Yankees and the Mets must have both been playing because of the two baseball stadiums they play in they're playing at Red Bull Arena and the game was postponed because a pipe broke in like the water line and so they had to like shut down the stadium like if that just doesn't sum up like the state of New York soccer to me I mean, New York City's been on good form, but I don't know. There's just so many off-the-field issues when I look at the game in New York City. It should really be like a El Trafico-esque-sized rivalry, booming stadiums, excitement, but they're not quite a – this sucks, but they're not quite a Colorado level of embarrassment, but it's getting there for me. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. Toronto needs a major, like, I don't even know the word for it. They just need to be torn down and rebuilt. Um, I, I think we haven't really focused on Toronto because we know the money's there and they know they're, like, they're willing to spend it. So it's kind of only like a matter of time for them that they'll hit on something. I think that's why we focus more so on like a Colorado because it seems like there isn't any initiative there. I think Colorado's going to be fine. Give them like a couple years. They'll figure it out. They'll get rid of these Italians. They'll redo their, like their FO. They'll get some new people in there. Um, they have money they're willing to spend. So I think they'll be okay in the long run. To me, it kind of feels like they're hanging on to that era. The, the Bradley Altidore Javinko era, just a little too long. You know, they, they had, they had a lot of glory in those come up short in a couple big moments too. CCL final, two MLS Cups, but like Giovinco left, not on the greatest terms. They flirted with bringing him back multiple times. Instead, they signed two Italian 
kind of electric, in theory, players. Didn't really pan out. They've signed a lot of former, like, U.S. national players. It's just been weird up there. And you're right. It feels like a new just clean out is needed. They'll spend the money. You know they can afford quality. It's just imagine, like, a St. Louis, like, tactically built roster or Cincinnati or Philly with the spending capabilities and the pull that Toronto could get. It could be unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, if they built like a St. Louis and then they really splashed the cash to bring in like another Giovinco or, you know, a couple like huge like star players like that are hitting their prime, I could see them being like an unstoppable force in MLS. You mean CJ Sapong didn't move that needle for you? <laughs> Not in the slightest. But I mean, especially with them being a Canadian team, they only have to contend with two other teams to make it in Champions League every year. So if they if they were smart and like wanted to invest wisely and then just splash the cash on a few players, they could they could be a dominant force that's like in like a continental championship every year. Uh, but I don't know. That's I digress. There's not much else to say about a one of the worst teams in the league. Officially knocked out of playoff contention with this loss. So the off season pretty much begins now. On to next year big they call this the sunshine derby orlando city hosting miami um messi alba and biscuits all gone i was gonna say the barca boys weren't here for this one and managed a 1-1 draw at orlando so keeps them still in that playoff conversation sitting well as long as they win their games in hands um for me this is disappointing for orlando we just saw atlanta thrash this team and they had even less players missing at that point. And Orlando gets a chance at home to do the same thing. They're sitting in second place. They're doing better than Atlanta. They can't capitalize on that. That would have given them some breathing room more. Right now they're only two points off Columbus. But they clinched the playoffs as well this week. So not a terrible week for them. But I was expecting to see a little more, honestly, as somebody who had big hopes for Orlando this year, wanted to see him pushing for a trophy. Yeah, I mean, disappointing for Orlando, but they, like you said, they clinch playoffs and they can just kind of start building towards holding that second place spot. And, and I mean, they're going to get a home advantage in the playoffs regardless. I mean, I don't see them dropping down that low. I mean, it could happen. Um, but for Miami, I think this is a pretty decent result, missing all the, you know, their three Barca players. Um and when you look at the teams ahead of them, Charlotte, terrible form. Chicago, hasn't won in like two months. New York Red Bulls barely just started scoring goals. I was looking at it earlier. New York Red Bulls have scored 30 goals this season. They just scored five in their last game. So that's like a sixth of their goals. Like 15% of their goals right there. Yeah. DC United, terrible form. So you look at those teams ahead of them that they have to jump to get into playoff contention. New York City FC is heating up a little bit. It's looking like it's a good chance that Miami could actually make playoffs. They're five points out from a playoff spot with two games in hand. Looking like they could do it. Do you think anybody stops Miami if if Messi's healthy and playing? If we're looking at the rest of their schedule, I'll read the games out. I see one team that could. So they got New York City FC next, 
we actually predicted this game, so we can uh, save it for then. Chicago. There it is. <laughs> no chance. There it is. Kai Kamara. <laughs> the place where Messi gets gets put in his <laughs> in his spot. It's in Chicago as well. I know, and I heard it's like a sellout crowd pretty much, which that doesn't happen in Chicago for an MLS game. In so Soldier it's, Stadium. It's going to be like 95% Miami Messi fans. Miami. Not Messi. Miami fans. True, faithful Miami fans. Uh, after that, they play Cincinnati at home. Huge game for them. I think Cincinnati could be the team that stumps them a little bit. And then they finish the season out by playing Charlotte twice in a three-day stretch. Um, Charlotte is a team that's right above them right now. I think by the time they play Charlotte, they'll have already leaped over them. Um, and I just I can't see the Charlotte team doing anything to Miami. Like especially after this last game where like Lucho Acosta just like walked through their team basically. I imagine Messi doing that, dude. Like Lucho Acosta just nutmegged a guy dribbled through their whole team like just elegantly kind of kept two defenders off of him and then like smashed it into the goal Messi is going to just tear this team apart they have like no midfield like opportunity to even try and stop this team Ashley Westwood and uh oh man who's that Scott Arfield the Canadian there's no chance Charlotte Charlotte would be lucky not to hit 14th this year I agree, and kind of weird that we use this game to be the Charlotte slander game. But we never the, talk about Charlotte, really. We don't. It, see, for me, they're really forget. Unfortunately, they're a really forgettable team. <laughs> like, stadium's kind of cool, but it's like a football stadium, like we talked about. It's not like a super like like a Nashville, St. Louis type environment. They've been stuck in that like I between tenth and like thirteenth place purgatory, like their whole existence. It feels like. I'll give them a little love here. End of the season looks pretty favorable for them besides the Miami game. So they got New England next. New England's in disarray right now. Then they have Toronto. Easy win. It's at home in Charlotte. Then they play at Chicago. That'll be a big game for both those teams because they are pretty close to each other in standings. I mean, Chicago's right above Charlotte by one point and has a. they've played one more game. Charlotte needs to pick up points from those three games if they hope to make playoffs because then they play Miami twice home and away so so those are yeah must wins because those three games if they if they pick up some wins they could still be in playoff contention and even so that puts them at nine points or and they'd be at 42 say they lose both the Miami games then they're right on the cusp that's only yeah kind of not looking good for Charlotte um so we both agree Miami's going to just right off the top of our head because all the, all the MLS puppets are going to talk about this every week. Miami's going to get to the playoffs. Do they win the whole thing? I feel like they do. At this point, I feel like it could happen. Um, I don't know. It's tough because it still seems so new. And with Messi kind of having an injury recently, I don't know. Tata Martino seems like he's got this team like playing really well, and I can see them making a deep push for playoffs. Who's the best team to stop them? I think Nashville. Yeah, maybe Nashville if they meet up with a Nashville. So the the crazy thing is um, when you look at the standings and you look at where Miami would probably end up 
they would play Cincinnati in the first round, which poor Cincinnati, they finally have a good season. They make the playoffs. They win the supporter shield and they come up against Miami in the first round of the playoffs. Would be interesting because they were very close. They were up by two goals in that uh, Open Cup semifinal. Some bad blood, I'm sure, because they totally handed Miami a game on a silver platter, and Miami squeaked out on penalty kicks. So I think Cincinnati, I think they could do it too. I mean, they were they were unlucky. Some self-inflicted wounds against Miami. I was going to say, I could see Cincinnati doing it. If Nashville were to play Miami, it likely they would be it'd be in the final game on the east um because nashville's sitting in seventh right now it doesn't look like they're gonna jump the teams ahead of them so they'll probably be on that same side of the bracket so they'd meet in the final um only other team i could see is like maybe a philly i don't think atlanta could repeat what they did when like there's a full strength miami um philly maybe i could see philly possibly doing it because they just have the depth they have the players um, we haven't talked about it really in a while, but like the offseason pickups they had were just insane. They picked up so many proven guys around the league. I could see Philly doing some damage to a Miami team. Really, to me, Philly's been underwhelming this year. I think they have, but they got smacked by Miami too. The fact that they they've maintained like they're in fourth place, still within reaching distance of second place. Um. And I think they're kind of reaching like that lull that you hit when you've had like a team that's been so successful for the past few years. Like it's bound to happen at some point, like players either unmotivated, something's going to happen. I think the fact that they've still maintained as high as they are right now while kind of going through that proves that they're still just a solid squad. And I think Jim Curtin can get these guys up for it. Okay. I disagree, but okay. I, I agree, though. I think Nashville would be a huge challenge for them. Even like a – I almost would say New England if they still had Bruce Arena, honestly. That would be a tricky one at Gillette Stadium. But Nashville, I mean, two games played against Miami. They've conceded one goal, and it was like a messy wonder strike. So that's why I think – Well, Nashville, I just don't know because the thing is they played them twice now. I could see Tata Martino like cooking up something against them. And Nashville, like it, you know what you're going to get. Like they aren't going to change the game plan up and come out and attack you. They're just going to sit back and defend. And I could see Tata Martino like tweaking some things and figuring out a way to get through them. Or like cup competition Messi, like if he's really driven and wants to score, he's going to do that, what he did against them before. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Because this is a tricky one because they're going to play, like, three games, not just once, mm-hmm. like in a lucky game that Nashville could do something. But I don't know. They, to me, they've looked the most convincing against Miami. Dallas looked good against them, too, for stretches. But it's weird because Miami's been dominant. But then there's been games where they just, like, the other teams just fumbled really hard. Cincy, Dallas, Nashville. I was going to say, if you had to pick a team from the West to meet them in MLS Cup, who would you pick that would be the one? Do you want me to take my Timbers hat and glasses off? Or? <laughs> yeah, because if it was Timbers during Geo Savarese, I think we would agree. Timbers have a good shot at it. Like tim- like Cup Timbers under Geo Savarese have a really good shot at that, without a doubt. And I think most people could agree on that if they're not Sounders fans. Um, But if you're looking at the table, who on the West could do some damage? 
honestly, LAFC for me. I would love to say Timbers, especially with the form, and it would be in Portland probably. But I don't trust our defense against Messi. Like, our attack has been really good. Yeah. And I feel like we could expose them and score a couple goals, but I don't think we could hold back. I could see it being like a shootout and we just lose like 3-1 or 4-2. Yeah. I think LAFC, though, they lost 3-1 three, three at home. But they really took the game to Miami. And if Bawanga had his finishing boots on, could have been a much different storyline. You're telling me you're not picking Houston Dynamo? We'll see this Wednesday. You don't want to see Corey Baird do the crab dance on Messi? That would be nuts if they played an MLS Cup final, too. That would be weird. They're playing the Open Cup final this week. I agree, though. I think LAFC is the best shot. I don't think St. Louis could do it. I think St. Louis get blown out of the water. Um, they try way too hard to press high, and I think the quality that Miami has, <laughs> not Jared Stroud. Jared Stroud versus Lionel Messi is uh, wild. I, I would love to see Jared Stroud try and press Busquets because I think Busquets would just like do like the most simple turn, and Jared Stroud would like fly past him and then like whine at the ref. But yeah, I think LAFC. From the West probably has the best shot at it. I would have said Real Salt Lake, like going into League's Cup like about a month ago when they were like hot and the Chicho Arango just hit their team. I I mean if they could rediscover that form, I would say they have a good shot at it as well. Just with their team building, like how lethal they can be with him up top. I'm going Timbers. <laughs> I changed my mind. Portland Timbers Not to really. beat Maybe. Miami. An MLS Cup at home in a penalty shootout where we don't lose. At home. In the MLS Cup championship. Anyways, we got one more game to talk about. And then uh, that'll be... Just like... (laughs) It's been a long episode for just talking about the games. Just like this game, we rambled on and went a little longer than we should have. Because this game was scheduled Sunday evening. But it started about one-ish in the morning. Local time in Austin. This That's so late. insane to me that they would... They didn't cancel it. They didn't cancel it. Yeah, there was some sort of storm, and there's weather delays, and it just was a mess. Anyway, two teams fighting for their lives to get in the playoffs, honestly. Austin up 3-1 with five minutes to go and lets in two goals. Jovalich and Barrios. Billy Sharp had an assist uh, for one of those, so he's keeping up with his form. But, man... Austin had this one in the bag, and they blew it. The Galaxy, though, man, they came back against Minnesota. 3-1 down, came back. 3-1 down in this game, came back to tie it. Week before, they were 2-0 down versus St. Louis and tied it. They're showing fight at the end of the season. I mean, they have a terrible injury list. Yeah, it only took them 30 games, (laughs) but... Yeah, I mean, LA Galaxy finally putting something together. Austin FC just choking so hard. Like, to wait that long and then play your game and then the fans who waited, like, probably pumped. Like, the people who are still there to be up 3-1, they're in the hunt for playoffs. They're, you know, outside the playoff picture right now. That would have put them right up, like, around ninth place. Um, And then to just choke like two goals right at the death of it would, it's just, it's got to hurt to be an Austin fan right now. Honestly, I don't want to say this on the tape, but 
for me, Austin kind of looks dead in the water. I would agree. They they had two great chances to get some points and put themselves back in the, the race. They lost home to Portland. They got a point at the road at Red Bulls, which was all right, but that was another chance not against a not great team. At home with the Galaxy, with minutes left, you got to close that out, and it just didn't happen. So I think changes are going to come. Wolf, I'm assuming, will be out as coach. They have a good place to build from. They've got great pieces, a good fan base. They got that Man City sporting director and their FO. But I want to focus on the Galaxy a little more. They're needing results bad, especially against Timbers, a team that's fighting for similar spots. The injury report for the Galaxy is not looking great. Gaston Brugman, regular starter, he's he's out for the year. He's not going to play, obviously. Um, Chicharito's been out for the year. Martin Caceres, starting defenders, out for the year. Jalen Neal was out last game. Um, Douglas Costa has been questionable. Caligiri, the Brazilian fullback, has been out. And apparently, Ricky Pooge, I don't know if he'll be out for sure, but there's some concerns that he might miss the game. Either way, maybe not full strength. They had a long game, played late. This is a backs-against-the-wall Galaxy team who's going to need to fight for this result against Portland at home. Huge game for them because if they don't win, their season's over. Like, simple as that. I, I don't see them even having a shot um, if they don't get a result against the Timbers. Um, and, I mean, when you look at who they play next, they play Seattle away, Minnesota away. That's an easy win. Uh, Rail Salt Lake at home. And then FC Dallas at home. So they're playing all Western Conference teams, a couple of which are close to them in the standings. But I think their season's over. Like, I I almost would bet on it at this point. Um, they don't seem to have any real momentum going for them. I mean, yeah, it feels good to get two late, equal, like, two late goals to equalize the game. But you needed to win. Like, they needed to go out and have that intensity from the start. So... Yeah. I, I would say their season's over. Bold call. Five games left, I'll call it. LA Galaxy not making the playoffs. I mean, it's not looking the greatest, but say they win four or so games, that'd put them at 46 points. That's in a pretty good position. Things can change because they'd be taking away points from others. I don't think they're done and dusted quite yet, but it's looking bleak, especially with the injuries. Yeah, I would say it's it's pretty much the door's almost closed on their season. Like, there might be a sliver left open. Does Evander close that door shut? No, he does not. Eric Miller does <laughs> with a screamer from 60 yards out. I don't think he can even pass that far. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> if Eric Miller scored this weekend, you have to get a jersey with his name on. With his stupid helmet hair he's got? Dude, dude he doesn't even play. That That's a fair argument. Okay. <laughs> How about if Valentin scores, I'll get a Valentin jersey. And if Miller scores, you get a Miller jersey. This weekend. This weekend. Either or. So, Timbers are playing LA Galaxy. Minnesota playing San Jose at home. So there's no chance Minnesota's going to score more than maybe one goal. That's Would a fair bet. Would it come from a backup fullback on either end, though? 
An unlikely hero. We just shook on it. That's not much of a... Of course, you guys will never know because I gonna, we don't have a camera. But. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not too terrible of a bet because I wouldn't mind another Timbers jersey. Also, I'd be kind of jealous if you got a Zarek Valentin Minnesota kit. I would gladly take that. That's such a hipster jersey choice. If you could just pair two like MLS names and teams, Minnesota <laughs> Valentin is just a little too much for me. I love ZV, dude. He's awesome. Before we get too carried away. Before we start arguing again about Zarek Valentin. Moving on to our last segment, we're going to be talking about the potential moving of one of the biggest clubs in MLS, San Jose Earthquakes. There's been some grumblings online on the on the X platform, and pretty much Quake's owner, John Fisher, was talking in a statement, and he was talking about how the San Jose Stadium... Uh, lacks behind other stadiums of the league. And he referenced a couple of the newer ones, St. Louis, Cincy, I believe, LAFC, and talked about how San Jose falls behind in this avenue, I guess. Problem is, just recently, another local team, the Oakland A's baseball MLB team, just announced they're moving to Las Vegas. Another local team, Oakland Raiders, moved to Las Vegas recently. And there's tie-ins with that ownership group. People are wondering. MLS is definitely flirted with Las Vegas being uh, MLS City. P- people are wondering if the Quakes could be that team that would move. That would be so sad to see that happen. But I, with how MLS moves, I could see that being the case. I could see them shifting San Jose. I mean, there's going to be another Californian team. That would make four. They want to expand to Las Vegas. You already know it's going to happen. I could see them just being like, oh, let's shift our current MLS team to go kill the market that's already there. And then we could also expand by putting five more teams in other states somewhere else. Yeah, I would hate this move. I th- you would think they'd learned from the whole Columbus moving. Uh, just terrible situation. I hope there's some real pushback from Quakes fans against the owner. Because this stadium opened in 2015. We've seen, we have a lot more older stadiums in the league. And John Fisher was completely behind the the building and the specifications of this stadium. This is approved by him. This is his club. He has no excuse. He kind of like backtracked his statements today. And he had a quote saying like that this stadium was one of the best places in the world to watch a game of soccer, which is pretty ridiculous i've heard personally it's okay like it's a cool place to watch a game but the atmosphere kind of lacks due to that giant bar on the whatever end of the stadium that sits there because a lot of fans go to the bar have a drink you know they have that option available for them they leave their seat and they're not as engaged in the game they're kind of just hanging out making it more like a an event than a, a sporting atmosphere but who is there to blame other than the owner himself this is kind of random, but so this is the, the San Jose Earthquake Stadium is called PayPal Park, which is uh, what we called. That's what we called the, the Philly, Philly one, Park, right? <laughs> which is Philly is actually Subaru Park. Um. Anyways, back on topic. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, he 
he comes out kind of bashing the stadium almost seems like he's kind of hoping people wouldn't catch on to the fact that like he was behind the whole like push for um, like the capacity, like qualifications for a stadium or the fact that he's like owned and was like a big proponent of the stadium they have now kind of seemed like he was like trying to soft pedal the idea that they were going to move the club, like try and plant the seed, um, see how the, the, the fans respond to it. And, uh, you know, they obviously didn't respond well. I mean, PayPal Park is a historic club in the league. I mean, they've hosted so many, like, San Jose Earthquake games. Um, NWSL, the Bay FC plays there. Uh, they've hosted rugby matches. Um, also, not to mention, they hosted the 2015 AUDL Championship, which is the uh, American Ultimate Frisbee league chase is pulling some <laughs> some stuff out of the bag right now hey, that championship was won by the local san jose spiders um <laughs> anyways i mean it's it's a stadium that's hosted a lot of uh a lot of uh important matches there i mean they hosted mls all-star games they've hosted national team games there um it would just be sad to see that like vacated and then just have like an empty stadium there that isn't filled out like once a week, you know? And the thing is too. So his full quote was that it lacks the capacity for premium seating. So box suites, you know, rich people seats for one, that's what he said in the statement. And then just overall revenue that allows him to spend money on players to compete for championships. He's pretty much saying, this team doesn't make enough from tickets to get good players, which, once again, you built the stadium. Why didn't you expand it? Why did you add this giant bar instead of making more seating for your own fans, right? It's just one of those things that's it's really strange to me. And let's not forget, too, San Jose, that's, a, that's an original MLS team. There's some history there. This is a market where there's not like six other sports teams competing for competition. They have a hockey team there. That's it. And like a major league. But don't forget about the San Jose the Spiders, spiders. dude. <laughs> Their ultimate frisbee team. <laughs> that's pretty legendary. That's a that's a great sport. But the Quakes were already moved once. They were in the league originally, and when Houston Dynamo was awarded a team, San Jose became the Houston Dynamo and then San Jose was later added on uh, in addition so they they reclaimed all their history and stuff from the Dynamo but MLS has already tried this once with San Jose and I don't know why they keep doing this they they just need some changes upgrade that stadium sure it's not that old San Jose could be spending money and getting some bigger name players you know what I just saw Neymar is apparently unhappy at Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia which I understand why does John Fisher open up the wallet? Not a chance. San- picture how dystopian would Neymar be in an earthquakes jersey? <laughs> I feel like if Neymar put a like an earthquakes jersey on, he's gonna like slowly transform into like R nine before he retired when he was all like chunky and stuff, like just too many tacos. Yeah. <laughs> too many what was the Oh, was it them or was it Dallas that had like the giant like the monster taco? taco. Yeah, that was Dallas, yeah. That's some MLS scran. But, I, I mean, 
it's just sad because it seems like the San Jose Stadium was built for the people. Like, screw the box seats, let's put a giant bar in. And now it seems like the the owner's starting to go back on his word. But I will say, there's the weird. He doesn't understand the correlation of like you have to spend money to make money. Like, if you want people to be interested in your team, you got to spend money on your team. And it feels like they were doing that with Lucci, and they've added Abobasi and Carlos Grezo and Jonathan Mensa, some good pieces. But man, I I agree. Like the bar yeah. is cool, but if it's really that big of a deal, why didn't you put it in a separate part of the stadium and not make that your south end and put like two high school bleachers out in front <laughs> so you can hold fifty fans? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think the the smart move for them there would be to like scrap those bleachers, like bring the bar closer to the field and then put suites above it or something like that. I mean, I obviously, I don't know how easy that is, but I mean, it just seems like such a silly move to displace this club and take it to Las Vegas where they already have a team. There's already fans who are supporting the Las Vegas lights. It seems like an inauthentic fan base there. Um, And then, you know, displace all these fans in San Jose. I mean, some of them might still support their team, but a lot of them are going to have to like scramble to other parts of California to watch soccer. Picture being like a, a sports fan from this area, American sports fan. Traditionally, the Raiders get moved. They just get gutted and moved to Las Vegas. The baseball team's doing the same. The Warriors are in decline. San Jose sucks. They don't really suck. That's not fair. I was just conjecture. They've been all right, but. Once again, even in a good year for them, the best year they've had in a long time, there's now this brewing at the end of the season. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. And I can only imagine what the fans feel. You know, imagine being a fan of this club or, you know, like a player. Like, imagine being a player at at this club and knowing that the owner might be moving or, you know, it's just weird having this, like, whole limbo state around your club would really suck. But anyways, I think we should start wrapping this up. No Sounders stadium fun? I guess we should. I guess we should. I just didn't want to. I always forget that we need to talk about them as well. We don't really have to talk about the Sounders. We can leave that to the, we could, all we the could, tech bros there. We could talk about it real briefly. It looks like the Sounders are kind of hinting at the a new stadium, it sounds like, huh? So there's a report. Um, Sounder at Heart uh, released an article and this is pretty much yeah hinting, flirting with the idea of the Sounders building a soccer specific stadium at the Long Acres like training complex where they've this is like a suburb area outside of Seattle it's not in the city where they're building a nice big state of the art like training complex and facilities and multiple fields and it would be like a hub for just all levels of the club and they're looking, not really said super much, but they're looking at the idea of maybe building a stadium for the first team there. It's actually in Renton. <laughs> no way. It's, it's called Long Acres <laughs> Property, but it's in the city of Renton, which for me and Chase and any of the, any of the boys listening from our friend group, that's a, that's a already, big meaning. You already know who's in Renton. Renton would become the official away city of our of our trip. It'd be Renton away. I'm even more in favor of this now, actually. <laughs> um, the facility opens in 2024, but yeah, 
it's interesting because a lot of people are not in favor of this. So the Sounders share stadium with the Seattle Seahawks NFL team, and they have a lease. So every time the Sounders play, they have to pretty much pay like a rent for the stadium. That lease is ending soon. This will be post-World Cup, like 2028, I believe is what it said. But I don't know. I don't like it. They're moving out of the city. They're they're gutting the local experience. This is just, I mean, even the description of Renton, it's a suburban office park. There's we've spent time in Renton. There's not much there. Hey, there, there was there was an Applebee's, a strip club, like three car <laughs> car dealerships, and then like tech buildings. Renton slaps. All right, you remember that little that little cafe we went to, and the lady that served well, she didn't serve us milkshakes. We got denied milkshakes every time we were in that town. Actually, both places we went to. The stupid Denny's where the, the, the guy sighed at us. I hop. Oh, I, yeah, same crappy breakfast place. And then the, that nice cafe we went to with the old lady who bragged about her milkshake machine. And then when we all ordered milkshakes, she just said, oh, sorry, it's broken. It's a great place. I would shout it out if I knew it, but. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For all 40 of our listeners. Uh, <laughs> our boy from Netherlands is about to go to, about to go to. Don't disrespect the numbers, 40. You're selling a short. I uh, looked at the analytics. Anyways, I, I know you're not in favor of this this move, but for me, I've always been a fan of soccer-specific stadiums. There's something that just kills the experience of going to like an MLS game, like walking into a football stadium where they have giant posters of like Seahawks players, and it just seems like very inauthentic and not unique to MLS. You think so? See, I would. The only football stadium I've been to in MLS is Seattle's, and there at least it feels like whenever Portland plays, it feels like a big deal. Like they they hype up the game. There is a lot of Seahawks stuff, but I don't feel super out of place. They could do better with it. I will say there is a lot, but for me, it doesn't really distract. But this, the president even confirmed Hugh Weber. They said like. Lumen's been a great home, but having a soccer-centric stadium is the dream of any premier MLS club. It's definitely something we're contemplating and thinking about. There's room on the site. There's exploration that's, like, going to happen. Like, I don't know. Picture the Timbers playing in, like, Hillsborough, just in an empty, like, industrialized field. That would take really the soul out of the experience for me because part of it's going in Portland. You're in the heart of the city. You're, like, you feel like you're a part of, like, the community for a little bit. For better or worse. I was going <laughs> to say, I I don't... I mean, we already have a soccer-specific stadium, so I don't want us to move. But being in Hillsboro versus being in Portland doesn't sound too bad. I mean, there's pros and... Like, yes, the safety <laughs> aspects of being in some cities and navigating. But it's kind of cool to just be able to walk around in the city and go get food. I, I yeah. mean, how about... Would you take a brand new, like a Nashville, like modern stadium that's bigger, like 30K? There's no creek underneath the field, so you can have real grass. There's no giant rich people gym on one end where people ride bikes <laughs> that you can't have a stand on. Would you take that in place of Providence Park? That's tough because that's been the home of the Timbers forever. I mean, that's a huge move to make that would, you know it alters the club's history, but at some point you have to grow out of things. 
Like you can't just stay in the same stadium for your entire club's existence. At some point, you know, like with how things modernize and you need to change, it's at some point you have to move. Uh, so it's a matter of when, you know. I mean, Timbers don't seem like they're going to do that anytime soon. They just renovated half the stadium. Um, I would like it if they did the full stadium. I would like if they modernized a lot of it so you aren't sitting on, like, benches from the 1940s. Um, <laughs> but for the Sounders, I don't know. I think a lot of people don't like it. It's seem I see what you mean with like they aren't going to be as connected to the city kind of takes the soul away from the club um, public transit is going to be a lot harder to get to the stadium if they're out in this random and that's a pro and a con of, as well as, of Seattle as somebody who's rode the, the Seattle <laughs> link train and we've had meth heads and stuff on that train <laughs> all around us that's a different conversation completely but but I mean it's just actually that Skylink does it goes close to Renton, not into Renton, but it's pretty close. It's like a 15 minute drive. Maybe. Um, I think the positive, like the upside is greater than the downside, like having to pay Lumen field, um, to play there every single game, I think is not a very good thing for them. I think having their own home where they could just start building their own, um, culture and their own history there. I, I mean, you see it in Europe a lot, like the Premier League teams. They have to move, and they have to build new stadiums. It happened with Arsenal. It's happened with Tottenham. Luckily, Tottenham didn't have any history in their stadium before that. Um, I think it's bound to happen unless you're going to undertake a huge project to, like, destroy and rebuild your stadium essentially in the same spot. It's like rebuilding a car and, like, putting a whole new engine and, like, all new parts, and basically all it is, like, essentially just a frame. That's the same. For me... I, I agree with all those points, but Seattle's a unique case. I think most teams don't shouldn't be playing in an NFL stadium or a football-ish stadium. But that's that spot right in Seattle's pretty prime where you can see like the water and like the city behind it. It's pretty scenic. They do well. Chase is going to light me up here. Do you feel like your like vision of that like you're the way you see that do you think it's been skewed because you've only been there for like timbers versus sounders games do you think if you went to watch them play against a colorado or like uh nashville or something do you think that would be a completely different experience i mean it would be less buzzing but historically sounders until atlanta came into the league they led the league in attendance every year and now they're like third or something just behind atlanta and maybe charlotte so they still have more fans than other teams. I will say it is awkward just being there and they have like the tarped off sections. It does leave like a little bit of a weird, like, wow, this is I'm just sitting here next to a big giant, like lightning green slime <laughs> cardboard cutout thing covering these seats. But I don't know. It just works for me. I think it could be better with the stadium, but it's one of those things where you, you just really don't know because I've heard from FC Dallas fans playing in Frisco. The Rapids are a terrible example of this. They play in Commerce City, Colorado, which is almost an hour, I think, outside of Denver. I went there, and it's literally in the middle of nowhere. There's just, like, fields out there, and there's soccer fields and stuff associated with the club, but it, they're not a part of their community. Carson and LA Galaxy, like, there's a shtick for those clubs for a reason, 
But Sounders could pull it off either way, honestly. They have a big enough fan base to do it. They're a big club. That was my, my next point, is that Sounders are a big enough club, and I think it'd be same for Timbers. Like Clubs that are supported that well, if they move like 30 minutes out of the way for people, they're still going to make their way to the games. Right. Um, I mean, for us, it is like an hour to get from Salem, Oregon yeah. to Portland, yeah. Oregon. I think, you know, people, if they're really dedicated, they're still going to make their way to the game. So I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't be too disappointed if they moved. I think it would be better for their team in the long run. I think they're going to see like some blowback early on, but It'd what, be- are, what are people going to do? They're not the ones footing the like $250 million bill. Like they're buying tickets every week. Yeah, but it's like a win-win for me either way. If I was a Sounders fan on one hand, I stay in the same building. It's in the city. It's a big venue. It's got cool backdrop and location. On the other hand, if you get a brand new stadium, that's pretty sweet as well. You know, it'd be very nice because the ownership group and stuff. So yeah, and with the way like all the knowledge that like MLS owners have now, like I saw it firsthand with St. Louis. I mean, they're right in the town there, but they're just so smart at how they build the infrastructure around a stadium now. Like they would be so smart with how they would build their parking. One thing that I will say about Lake Lumen Field is it has the ability to hold that much capacity. Like it never feels too crowded when you're walking around in there. And I think if they're building a new stadium, they'd probably do the same. That's one, my one grievance with the timber stadium is it's jam packed everywhere you walk and you can't park anywhere nearby. It's such an old stadium. They haven't, you know, they didn't plan for having that many people there all the time. Um, so that would be the positive to getting a new timber stadium is like, you'd have, more space it would be a more comfortable experience to go so i i think with the sounders if they were to do that they would probably do it really well they would they would make it state-of-the-art like similar to the uh, st louis stadium like huge capacity it's like gates everywhere they would streamline the process to get into the stadium it would probably be a very positive experience overall and i think people would look back at it fondly but we've rambled on a long time today that's gonna be the halfway point for the episode (laughs) tune in next week for part two (laughs) predictions then we'll leave everybody on their way we should just blow through these a lot of games we're gonna go through four miami hosting new york city i'm going three no miami i'm going three one miami i think nyc will just snag a random goal in there somewhere and then miami still blow them out of the water yeah you're probably right uh, New York Red Bulls versus Chicago Fire. One-one draw. Chase kind of, Chase kind of guilt tripped me with my picks. He said I was playing it safe, phoning it in a bit. End of the season. <laughs> I'm at 58 points. He's at 45. I demand a recount. I demand a recount of these points. I wouldn't be surprised if we messed some of these up and when we were tallying these, honestly. We'll have to recount at one of these. It doesn't help when... One of these weeks. It feels like every week we pick a game, one of those games gets like rescheduled or yeah. like pushed or postponed or something. Or you record before that game's happened like or a, something. <laughs> uh, I'm going 2-1 Red Bulls. We already talked about it. Chicago's on terrible form. They just They have like zero hope for the rest of their season, it seems like. Minnesota hosting San Jose. It's at home, so that doesn't really bode well for Minnesota this season. I'm going to 1-1 draw. I think these teams split the points. I'm going 2-1 solely because it's 
Minnesota hosting. I don't think they're going to be able to do much here in San Jose. Starting to put some goals in the back of the net with Matthew Hoppe. Does he score again? Nah, three's too many. Three's too many. I think uh, their left back, Miguel Trauco, is going to hit a banger <laughs> from like 40 yards out. What is with the South American left fullbacks this, year, this season with the electric goals? Man. Last up. <laughs> Just wait till Derek Valentine starts getting on the scorecard. <laughs> um, we'll see. Eric Miller before him. Speaking of Eric Miller, LA Galaxy's hosting the Timbers, and he's not going to see the field. Well, he might actually. He's been uh, he's been playing well. He's been a closeout performer for real. I'm going two one Portland. Maybe going to try and go to this. I'm not really sure. It's a bit of a commute. <laughs> I'm going 3-2 Portland. Seems like the vibes are with Portland. L.A., you know, they might have a little bit of energy going with them after a late draw, but I just think that their season's all but over, and I think the Portland Timbers have so much momentum with them right now. I would have picked L.A. if it wasn't for all those injuries, and especially if Ricky Pooge is out. I mean, who's going to give Billy Sharp the ball? Like, <laughs> is he just going to? He's going to drop back and pick it up from the defense and he's going to go at us. That's what he's going to do. That's been a fun storyline for them. This random 37 year old (laughs) Englishman. Such a weird, weird pickup for them, but you love to see it. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Quite the episode. We had a little, we had our most fearsome (laughs) debate in this episode. It wasn't about predictions. It wasn't about arguing about a signing. Who's arguing about two depth piece MLS fullbacks? <laughs> Let us know. Oh, Zarek Valentin or Eric Miller? ZV. Who all is the, the way. superior fullback in MLS? As always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.